0: Hello and welcome to the From the Rose Garden podcast and the Rainbow Skyline podcast—a special crossover today. I'm Nick Cosmeter, joined by my buddy and, and Portland Trailblazers beat writer for the Athletic, Jason Quick. Jason, how you doing? Doing well, Nick. I miss you. I miss you too, man. Like this time <laughs> last year, we were we were able to sit on a sideline, you know, talk about basketball. I remember uh, we came in, you came in for Game One of the of the Western Conference Semifinals. Uh, that was the only game I covered of the series live because uh, my son was born the day that's after right. Garrett, the yeah. night before game two. Um, so I was uh, I was mostly covering this series from afar, watching
1: it from afar. But it doesn't it feel like a million years ago now? It really does. Uh, <laughs> so much has happened just basketball wise and then, of course, wise. But yeah, it feels like probably five years.
0: Yeah. And that's what's wild about it. Is my, like, so my son obviously just turned one. And like that part of it just seems like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he's one years old. But when we when we think about that that series, which is why we're why we're gathered here um, to talk about that, that awesome seven game series between the Blazers uh, and and the Denver Nuggets, which was won by Portland in game seven in at the Pepsi Center in Denver. That part of it feels like so long ago. And and so I think it was really cool to read your oral history that you had of that game seven of CJ McCollum's 37 points of Evan Turner's big game after being a mostly non-factor in that series, you know, just all the stuff that Portland went through to win those final two games. And, and, you know, some of the opportunities that the Nuggets felt like they gave away. So I'm excited to get into all that. But when you when you talked to the guys that you did, um, you know, McCollum, Myers Leonard, Evan Turner, some of those other guys, what was what was just sort of your biggest takeaway as you talked to them and and were able to kind of pull back their memories? Because certainly you had your own. But what, what stood out to you about what what they remembered and what clicked for them?
1: Well, there are a lot of different kind of facets that were brought up, but I think the the underlying thing that that tied it all together and that really kind of became apparent this year was how tight that team was. They they just had a togetherness. They'd been the core had been together for pretty much four years, and so when they got down by seventeen in Game Seven uh, early there wasn't a lot of panic and they were able to kind of feed off each other and they knew each other so well. And and that was in a lot of different aspects, you know, Dame being able to have the comfortability to say, CJ, this is your night go flourish. And for Evan Turner, who, as you mentioned, wasn't really a factor uh, in the whole series, but gets called upon when Rodney hood gets injured and he has the, Comfortability and the confidence to be himself and to become a huge factor in the fourth quarter. Just a, a bunch of those kind of underlying things that all trace back to that group was knew each other and had a cohesion that was unique in the NBA. And as we saw this year, you know, seven of those guys left the team, and the team was, besides injuries, they struggled because they didn't really know each other that well.
0: Yeah. And it's, which is kind of wild, right? Because I think a lot of fans will look at things like, oh, it's, it's, it's whoever your star players are, right? If you, you know, they still had Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. And, and, and so I think a lot of times fans say, well, if you're, if you have your stars in place, or you have two guys that are, are your leaders, like it shouldn't really much else matter who, who else is around. But that that is such a big thing is, is not only like who you have and how they best kind of I think complement your stars, but also what a group goes through together. And and that was one mm-hmm. of the things that for for me, Portland being able to win games six and seven to come back from a three two deficit um, to win a game on Denver's home floor against a guy like Nikola Jokic, who I, I think through the first two rounds of last year's playoffs was as good as anybody. To, it, don't don't you think that was part of being able to do that? Was was those guys having failed? together in previous playoff series like that to me, when I watched it back, I watched, I watched game seven again in preparation for this. And it was like, it almost was like Denver hadn't been through that. Like they hadn't had that ultimate, like that, that failure. This was their first post-season trip. How much do you think some of those other things had shaped Portland?
1: Oh, immensely, immensely. And that's why I won, I was really curious to watch the nuggets in this year's playoffs to yeah. see if they drew off that and to see if they were a little more hardened, But yeah, I mean, one thing that we forget by the time we get to game seven here, I mean, when the Blazers entered this playoff series or the the playoff uh, season, they had lost 10 consecutive playoff games and it had become a huge thing just about Damon CJ, about the front office. I mean, Terry Stotts was under the microscope. There was a lot of questions facing this team, Um, but – they never panicked. Like Olshe never like felt like he had to fire the coach or make wholesale changes. They stayed the course. And because they stayed the course, they were able to draw off each other and and know that hey, it can get worse than this, than the 17 point deficit, or it can get worse than a three to two deficit. So I just thought the togetherness of that team and what they had been through that year, the death of the owner. Yusuf Nurkic breaking his leg three weeks before CJ McCollum uh, having a really scary knee injury, 10 games before the end of the season. I mean, he didn't play until, uh, you know, spot minutes before the the playoffs started. And, uh, and then their assistant coach after the first round uh, series gets in a serious car wreck. Yeah. They had a bunch of stuff thrown at them and they were just an emotionally kind of weathered team. And I, and I think that, that played some some part. But then, you know how you were mentioning that it takes a team and it does. It, it takes a team to win a playoff series. But when you get to a game seven, you need that stud to carry you through. Yeah. And the Blazers had that in C.J. McCollum. I mean, what a performance. Yeah. You, you
0: might have heard my son just welling in the background. He was he was a day old and it, <laughs> it was his first basketball game. And obviously, as a as a Denver native, he was he was heartbroken to, to see what happened there. But you know, I, I want to go back to the, to the beginning of the, of the game you mentioned, and I, and I, you read this in your piece of how the Blazers when they were down 17 uh, didn't, didn't panic at all. And when I watch it back, it seemed almost to me as if Denver was trying to win that game in the first quarter, first quarter and a half, they, they were, they were fresh in transition. Like Gary Harris had his best game of the series, especially in the first half. He, Torrey Craig, Monte Morris, every time you turned around, the Nuggets were just pushing the ball in transition, something they hadn't really done in the playoffs up until then. And, you know, they they go up 39 to 22 on this uh, breakaway layup by Monte Morris. It, I felt like, and, and you were there, you were, you were in the building. Um, mm-hmm. Was, did it, did it feel like that was somewhat of the case? Like here they are trying to, the crowd was really behind them but it was almost as if they, they wanted it so bad to just come out of the gates and just, just go try to win it in the first quarter and a half that it as that played out and the game went on, it just seemed like it gassed them, gassed them out, especially, you know, Nikola Jokic, 3 of 10 in the fourth quarter. That was kind of yeah. the impression I got when I washed it back.
1: There's no question, like it felt in the arena that Denver came out and threw its haymaker right from the opening bell. Yeah. And it, it staggered Portland. But I think what, when you look back and, you know, knowing what we know now, you can see too that, that Portland was stunned a little bit, but they were also kind of feeling the game out. And I think at that point, at the 39 to 22 timeout, the place is going nuts. I think Dame was 0 for 6 at that point. And I think they started realizing that, you know, hey, this is CJ's night. CJ's been keeping us in this game. And I, I think the offense started kind of flowing a little more through CJ, and they started looking for CJ more than Dame. So I thought that was a, an important adjustment. But also, they they didn't panic. They didn't get drastically away from who they are. Uh, I still thought they ran a lot of pick and rolls with Dame, and uh, it was just a matter of Dame kind of making adjustments that okay, maybe I don't have it. Uh, I'm going to start facilitating more than than uh, taking the shots. So, but. That was really weird. Uh, how hard Denver hit them right out of the gate. I mean, I, it was kind of stunning a little bit. Yeah, and
0: you know, I'd mentioned Harris. He was a guy that dealt with a lot of injuries last year. Missed twenty five games, and you know, first round against San Antonio. Offensively, he wasn't much of a factor. Had always been kind of their their defensive stalwart. And what was interesting is that they, you know, I, I think Michael Malone and his staff had to kind of keep. They had to keep picking their poison and between, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Lillard and McCollum. And I thought for the most part in that series, especially given, you know, how well Damian Lillard had played against Oklahoma City. I mean, I mean, nobody was better in the first round than him. And so I thought they had done a pretty decent job, but it was one of those situations where, again, you know, Michael Malone first time, too, as a head coach in the playoffs and trying to make those adjustments on the fly of where do I put you know, where do I put these guys? Who, who do I, who do I deploy Gary Harris on? Where is Tory Craig a bigger fit? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I thought that they just didn't have an answer for, for CJ. And when, when he started to kind of go off and they couldn't quite figure out, I think how to, how to deploy it. And you had the, you had the quote at the end about Michael Malone saying, you know, I'll, I'll think all summer about whether I should have thrown a double at him. It was it was a difficult situation because Seth Curry hit some big shots in that second half as well. Um, And if you double him, you're bringing somebody off Damon Lillard, who hit the the shot of the playoffs by eliminating the Thunder or you leave Seth Curry wide open in the corner like none of those were going to be good options. I I just felt like so much of that game was CJ McCollum just kind of choosing that he was gonna to get to the basket every time he wanted to. there was a play in the third quarter where he split two defenders and goes in for the dunk. Yeah. Um Denver just I just don't think they were expecting CJ McCollum to to kinda of have that sort of night and, and and they just seemed slow to adjust to it.
1: Yeah, you know, I I don't blame Michael Malone at all. I I, I thought he coached a, a really solid series. I think what CJ did is what makes him so valuable to Portland is he's a shot maker and there's, there's really no defense for the type of shots that he was making, you know, and Evan Turner kind of alluded to that. That's like, they took away this and then he went to that. They took away that. And then he went to this and, you know, because it was, I think CJ only made one three pointer, but he was making driving lands. He was making floaters. He was making step back, uh, mid range. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had his full arsenal going and, so it wasn't like they he was exploiting one thing. But another thing, I mean, like Evan brought this up is that, you know, for all the, the chippiness and all the stuff that was going on in that series, by the time that game seven rolled around, there was a tremendous amount of respect for Denver. And one of the things that Evan uh, brought up, you know, Evan's longtime veteran in this league. And he said, I don't think any of us realized how good Gary Harris was. And mm-hmm. particularly how good a defender he was, that in in Portland's eyes really elevated Gary Harris as far as you know, hey, this guy is an up and comer, this guy is uh, the real deal they They left that series really impressed with Gary Harris and Tory Craig, too, I think. Um, I've watched some of that Game seven, probably not as closely as you did, but it's not like Tory Craig was embarrassed by no but c j you know it was just more great moves yeah and
0: and and you know it's what's i I asked Tory Craig at Media Day how much th- that he thought about that that last possession, and he kind of gave me one of was oh man we gotta we gotta go back to that because it he he takes so much pride in it and You know, the Nuggets put out a stat this week I saw on their social media that he spends 30 percent of his time on the defensive end guarding um, all star all star players. And, you know, so that that's what he was tasked with. And Michael Malone made the switch two games into the San Antonio series. Will Barton, uh, who had suffered a, a core injury, missed half of last year wasn't himself when he got back and and ultimately Michael Malone said, I'm I'm going to start Torrey Craig and just really focus on having that defensive perimeter presence. And again, I, you know, I thought, I thought they did a really nice job for the most part. They they did uh, a really good job on Damian Lillard as good as you can do really for, for again, how well he was playing. Uh, but here, here's the, another thing that I want to get your thoughts on just what you remember from, from being out there is I, I think about four or five minutes to go in, in the, third quarter is when Rodney Hood goes down mm-hmm. um, at during that play when Nuggets were five on four because he, he you know crumpled to the ground Torrey Craig scores Nuggets go up six the possession after Hood goes out Nuggets score again they go up eight so they're up eight with about three minutes left in the third quarter and that's sort of where it all it all started to change Portland had a brilliant close last two minutes of the of the mm-hmm. third quarter came all the way back to take a lead. Um, what what just do you re- what was your mi- biggest memories of um, just that sequence and and how Portland responded to it?
1: I can't remember how they came back, but I remember Evan came in and was immediately aggressive. I, I think he scored a couple hoops, maybe. Yep. But to me, I I, I thought they they were going to go one of two ways there because Rodney Hood was huge in that series, just a huge uh, factor offensively. I mean, he they posted him up a lot on Jamal Murray. You know, because that was the that was the decision Malone had to make. It's like, okay, I could put a bigger guy like Craig on uh, Dame or CJ, but that's going to leave Jamal to to guard someone bigger. And mm-hmm. Portland took advantage of that, and they they posted up Jamal a lot during that series. And Rodney Hood was usually the the benefactor of that. So with Rodney going out, that really hurt Portland's offensive options. And you know, by this time they're they're not playing Alpha Rukaminu. Mo Harkless is playing limited time. So Evan Turner comes in and became that kind of third option. And you know, Evan had played in the six prior games, but he went scoreless in five of them. And then he comes in and scores 14 in, in game seven. So I, I thought that was really a telling moment for a veteran to come in and kind of realize and, and not shy away from the opportunity in the moment. And and Evan picking that up and becoming uh, kind of that option, that, that release valve for them really was important from an emotional standpoint and just from a tactical standpoint as well. You know, th- th-
0: this was really such a great game. I, I mean, like... J- the whole Damian series Lillard, was great. The whole series was fantastic, but you know, I, I thought that the, the the play to me that stood out in late in the fourth quarter, outside of the McCollum shot over Torrey Craig, was you know the the Portland Trail Blazers are up four, and, and Damian Damian Lillard turns the ball over. Jokic steals the ball from him in Portland's end, and you know so there's three and a half minutes to go. Denver now has the ball. They're down four. Jokic tries to hit Jamal Murray with an outlet pass, and Lillard. Kind of sneaks back and steals the ball, um, makes his way over to the corner and then gets a pass from Turner, hits a three. And now Portland's up seven with with three minutes, a little more than three minutes to go. I, that was such a huge swing in the game to where, you know, again, Lillard had made the mistake, comes back, gets mm-hmm. the steal and and makes it. But I'll give the Nuggets credit for this. That that I remember watching that, you know, on TV again and just saying, oh, they're cooked. That was it. That was the blow. And yet here they come. The Nuggets come back. Jokic makes a floater with under two minutes left to cut it to one. McCollum goes back, hits a sixteen footer. Nuggets, uh, Blazers are up three again. Jamal Murray gets to the lane, gets the ball knocked out of his hands, and yet still collects it, makes the shot uh, from about the free throw line to cut it to one with thirty seconds to go, and then that set up the final sequence. But every time you thought that you know Portland was was just going to ice it or pull it away, you know Denver really did like keep charging. They were, they were kind of right there with 30 seconds to go. That, that to me is where we talked about at the beginning of just having to learn how to, how to do it. It's just so hard to close. I mean, Denver, Denver was one in three in that postseason season in, uh, in closeout games. So they had a chance mm-hmm. to eliminate San Antonio in game six, uh, took him till game seven. They had a chance to eliminate Portland in game six and game seven, you know, so, and they, they weren't able to do it either time. So they, They just had to, I think, had to learn that. That was an experience that they had to go through. But it it was fascinating to me. They they, they did show a lot of result. They kept coming back right until the very end.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I'm wondering how it's received in Denver because kind of an unsung element of Game 7. You know, we talked about Evan Turner's 14 points, but everyone from Portland points to the way he guarded Paul Millsap and and this yeah. really started in game 6. You know, Millsap was a problem those first 5 games and then game 6 he goes 4 for 15, game 7 he goes 3 for 13 and a large part of that was them putting Evan on him. And uh it it comes down to you know, Jokic, McCollum, it, it comes down to your stars, but it's in those in the margins where you have those players like Millsap. Uh can he contribute just enough? Can he answer the call? And uh, I, I thought Portland finding uh, someone to guard him and kind of neutralize him in those final two games was really important. How, how does Denver view what Paul did?
0: Yeah, I agree with that. There, there was certainly, I think, some frustration that Millsap kind of had those final two games, right? Because he was, you know, he was Denver's highest paid player, the four-time, the four-time all-star. And he was really supposed to be the guy that when they they absolutely had to have it in a, in a playoff type situation, um, that he was going to be the one to deliver that. And not only that, but you mentioned it; he they they really did have a, a big matchup advantage there, and that's the, they were able to exploit that for five games, as you mentioned. I mean, especially given how much that Portland had to uh, had to try to adjust to give Nicole Jokic as much attention as they possibly could. Um, it really allowed Paul Millsap, who is a really solid low post kind of isolation one-on-one player really gave him a lot more space to kind of do his thing. And so to, to not be able to fully take advantage of that in the in the two closeout games of the series, I definitely think that there was there was a little bit of frustration there. And, and I think Paul took a lot of that to heart. He had a tremendous offseason in terms of
1: mm-hmm.
0: getting, getting himself prepared. He came back and he was Denver's best player through the first two months of the season. Obviously got hurt. And one of the things I wrote about the other day was, I, I wrote about some questions that Denver will face if they do in fact have a postseason in them in the NBA this year. Um, and one of those to me is Paul Millsap, you know, does he have one last big push in him to be a guy who really delivers? He is 35 years old, but what, what they have here now, this is going to be a break. That's almost as long, if not as long as the regular off season. Mm-hmm. And so if you get a guy that comes back and is, you know, one of those rare NBA players who actually can afford to have a a basketball gym in his house um and has taken advantage of that. That to me is going to be a really interesting thing, as you mentioned at the top was how do these guys, how, how do Denver's players having gone through it, you know, recognize that that's what I'm that's what I'm fascinated to see
1: going yeah. into, the, into these playoffs, you know, in covering the Blazers and seeing all 10 of those consecutive playoff losses and then talking to Lillard. And then you watch the Last Dance series and, and you see like what Jordan and the Bulls went through with, with Detroit. I think you have to go through a little bit of heartache and a little bit of that long summer of having that pit in your stomach. I think that really does something to players and does something to teams when they have to go through something that is really painful because that that shit stays with you. Yeah, That's why I was really curious to see what happened with Denver this year because – man, to to the real great players, that's a burning. I mean, that that burns in them. And and it certainly burned in in Lillard after they got swept by New Orleans. And and they were really embarrassed by him. That that fueled him throughout that summer, throughout the season, and throughout the playoffs. So, that's what, to me, that's what playoff experience is about. It's about dealing with failure and dealing with, you know, just those feelings that that hurt. So I I was curious to see what happened with Denver.
0: Yeah, J- Jamal Murray had a kind of a great quote on that the next uh, on, on exit interview day because, you know, if you remember Denver at the end of the 2017-18 season lost what was essentially a play-in game to get into the to the postseason in Minnesota. It was Game 82 right. whoever won was going to the playoffs and it was a fantastic game, goes to overtime. You know, Denver leaves it all out there, comes a possession short and misses out on the playoffs and that really fueled them going from having not been to the playoffs since 2013. And then all of a sudden now they, they finish second in the Western conference. They win 54 games and they get obviously to the Western conference semifinals. And so Jamal Murray says, if losing that last regular season game fueled us to do what we did this year, just, just imagine what we're going to do with Mm -hmm. that feeling of having lost a game seven at home. And and so I really, I'm with you, man. I, I, I think that all of that stuff is, is not something you can measure based on like, know, what a team's offensive and defensive rating is during the regular season, you know, as much as Nuggets had some up and downs during this year, they, I mean, they still had, they've still had a great year. They're third in the West, 43 and 22. What was going to matter was how they, how they put it into the playoffs, how, how that ultimately uh, happens. And that's why I hope, I hope we get it, even though it's going to be a little bit different.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. Just in the years of covering the NBA, you see it click with some players it, and it, it kind of crystallize, crystallizes what matters. They realize that okay, I I've made my money, I've got my fame, but man, I want to win in the playoffs. And man, it hurt that I didn't. Yeah. And then you kind of see you kind of see the priorities start to shift, and and you see what really matters to them, uh, to the great ones. That's what's what makes the playoffs so fun and, and so intriguing to watch is uh, seeing players respond and perform under under the pressure of it.
0: Well, let, let me let's close it with by me asking you this: we, we we just watched the last dance and we saw all those all those tough series that Jordan had to lose mm-hmm. before he got to the Caliber. We talked about all that Portland had to endure before it was able to get to the conference finals that really does seem to be i mean even even the warriors to an extent um it wasn't as long it wasn't as prolonged it's kind of losing some of the series that they did but you know that they, they had to taste that too so, so why do you think why do you think that whether it be players or teams and perhaps this is a little bit anecdotal but just certainly seem to be less i guess less, less willing to, to go through that, to to go through that just hurt and pain and, and the patience that is required, you know, in companion with those things?
1: Well, I think that's just, uh, you know, you hit it with the word patience. I, I think a lot of owners or a lot of GMs, even a lot of players kind of lack the patience. We're a society that wants instant gratification. And if you don't win here, well, I'm going to look elsewhere or we need different players. And I, I think it takes a special situation or group of people to be able to kind of write it out and, and take the take their lumps and absorb the pain of, of failure to be able to come out on the other side. And that's why I mean, you know, like the for everything that happened in that game seven, the the lasting image for me is Lillard walking off the court and the the walk through the tunnel to the locker room and he just kind of became over overwhelmed with emotion and and buried his head in his arms and that is an indication of you know reflecting on all those losses all the blame he took all the uh, stuff he had to read about this team's failures and to get over that hump was uh, it really meant a lot to him and it was that's what sports is about and that's why I love Evan Turner's uh, quote you know like this is why we play sports that game right there, Game Seven on Mother's Day, on the road, close game. That was really cool. Yeah, that's that's why I hope we get it back. Uh, I,
0: I obviously we we'll, we will see, and I'm curious to see, you know, whether whether the Nuggets ha- have some of that as well. Uh, Jason, man, it was so great to visit with you. Um, you know, I, I hope that we're that we're doing this in person sooner rather than later.
1: Me too Nick. Uh, I think you'll if we do come back I think you'll have a longer run than uh, than my group. <laughs>
0: yeah. That, that's you know probably but we're, we're 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 thinking full ahead to to next year. Hopefully we just get this get this back yeah. on before we go. Uh we just want to give a special thanks to all of our listeners and subscribers out there. We we really appreciate your continued support listening to the podcasts. And reading our work, uh, it, it's not something that we, that we take for granted at all. So that's going to be all for this week. Uh, be sure to stay tuned to the From the Rose Garden feed and the Rainbow Skyline feed uh, for new episodes each week. If you are a subscriber, you know what to do. Hit us with that five-star rating and give us a review. <laughs> Until next time, thanks for stopping by.
1: Good job, Nikki.